Thank you. Thank you for your voice in that song. Wow. I just whispered to Kathy. I said, listen to people sing. It was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Giving voice to our God is greater. Yeah. And if our God is for us, who can be against us? It's a great, a great anthem for the church. Can you believe it's June already? Goodness sakes, where did it come from? I thought we just had our New Year's celebrations. Yeah, wow, time's going really fast. When I get in struggles like this and I want to look at, like, where's the time gone? I go to my, one of my theologians, Dr. Seuss. And uh, paraphrase, he says this. How did we get to June so fast? It's night before it's afternoon. December is here before it's June. It was summer before it was spring. How did we get here so fast? Wow. Time has really gone fast, hasn't it? And we're already six. This is a six week in a series that we started back, to, back in like a, end of April. It's like six weeks has gone fast. And it'll be a hop and a skip. And then it's going to be, oh, well, it's, uh, it's now Christmas time. The holidays are coming. It goes really fast. The series we've been in, called Amazed, comes out of um, Jesus bringing heaven to earth. He's been uh, up on the mountainside in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, our Jesus' core teachings of the New Testament. We call it the Sermon on the Mount because he's on the mountain teaching with a large group of people. Well, he comes down off of the mountain and begins to teach The crowds were amazed because it begins to demonstrate what the kingdom could look like if heaven come to earth. Yeah. When heaven comes to earth. He offers us a reset, I would say, through these core teachings of of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When we want to wonder if we're on course or not, I think going back to the Gospels for a reset. I don't know about you, but my computer has to be reset regularly. And I think for me, as a Christ follower, and for God's people, we have to sometimes go and reset some things because uh, we can kind of take off and go our own direction. And we don't have to be very far off at the outset, but when we get out there a ways, we could be off a little bit. But before we jump into today's text, uh, I'm going to give you a quiz, okay? For some of you who've been here the last five weeks, of week one, do you remember what happened then? It's only five weeks ago. There's a person who had a dreaded disease. They called it leprosy. Yeah, you all know the story. Lepers were put on the outside of the culture. They could not associate with anyone because they had to stay in their own because it was a contagious disease. Leper colonies, you've heard of that, read about that. Um, And so this leper, though, had heard from a distance who Jesus was in his teaching and bore through the crowds and went to Jesus and said this. Can you imagine this leper looking Jesus in the eye and said, Jesus, I know you can heal me if you want to. What did Jesus do? I don't want to. What's the first thing he did? Do you remember? He reached out and he touched him. And then said, I want to. And he healed him. In that series, in that encounter, Jesus was kind of breaking through and offering kind of permission-giving authority 
to break down what was declared unclean in the day and break through those barriers. Week two was a centurion, Roman centurion, who came on the, on the, on the part of his servant or slave who was ill. And he said, I'd like for you to, I think you can heal my servant. Now, you don't even have to come to my house. You don't have to come under my roof. I'm not worthy of that. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. The centurion was all caught up and bound up in the, in the you know, kind of the criteria of separations of groups. The Romans didn't associate with the Jews, and they liked it that way. Everybody liked to identify who was in a group and who was out of a group. Jesus kind of comes to Christ through that. And so for the centurion, the centurion... Um, the. You know, the centurion in that criteria, he was doing, he, he had everything wrong except what really mattered. Coming to Jesus with a humble and open heart. And the Jews had everything right except for one thing. Coming to Jesus with an open and humble heart. Wow. And Jesus affirms this centurion, this Roman centurion, and gives him a, and begins to step through this barrier, gives authority for people to step through the barrier of ethnic diversity. Now, when we look around our crowd here, we're not very ethnically diverse. Yeah. Uh, It would be awesome if we had more of that. But I would hold out to us, wherever we have opportunities, to step into the ethnic divide, the ethnic diversity, and the ethnic pain that some people feel, we're called to be God's people and step into that and to walk with people. <clears throat> the, the, Jesus then stepped into, the next week, stepped into uh, Peter's mother-in-law was, who had a fever. And you remember what he did there? He again did what he did in the very first one. He touched her. He touched her. Two things happened there. Healing on the Sabbath and touching a woman who wasn't his wife and who had a fever, he would have called him, would have declared him unclean. Again, he's breaking through, demonstrating, and giving permission to break through the barriers of Sabbath laws and to invite women up from being a, a, a group that was, was lower than what men were. Women, all of you who are here across the church and across Journey, we affirm the gifts that you bring. Yeah. God is has created us all with gifts. And every single man and every single woman has gifts. And we encourage you to use those. We will never be more excited about life than when we're on point, dead center, using our gifts, not just for our own selfish desires, but for others. It's there that we'll find meaning. Week four, Jesus gets into a boat. Good day today to go boating, by the way. And he gets to in a boat, and heads across, and uh, it was evening, he's tired, been with people, goes down the lower level and goes to sleep. And a thunderstorm comes up on the lake like little thunderstorms come up in Kansas. Can be tough one place this past week, you know, and some places here in Kansas, got a, right here around the city, got an inch and a half or inch more rain, and some of us got like a tenth or so. So uh, the, this little storm was like really a small one, but just begin to wreak havoc on the boat, wind and water. And they cried out, called Jesus up from the boat and says, we're going to drown. And Jesus gets up and just says, quiets the storm. And they look at each other and it's like, 
the wind and the waves even obey him. We knew he was like a great man, but we hadn't recognized that he's God in the flesh. He's God in the flesh. Wow. Wow. Even the wind and the waves will be. He's giving permission again. I think Jesus' permission giving authority to break through the barriers of our fears. How many of you have fears? Everybody raise your hand. Come on. We all got them, don't we? The ones of you that don't have just haven't realized it yet. We all have a certain amount of fears, don't we? And we could name those. It's fears about what tomorrow's going to bring. It's fears about maybe that, that little clique of people in my school classes doing stuff without me. They didn't call me and ask me if I could be in or out. Maybe it's a neighborhood where there's rifts and there's exclusions. Maybe it's in the workplace. It's everywhere that we have fears of connecting or being inside or outside. Jesus is asking and demonstrating for us and calling us to step into those fears. Yeah, we can carry those fears. And over time, those fears build up a little bit. And pretty soon, we're just, can I use a kind of an interesting word? We're constipated by fear. Yeah. Yeah, we are. We can't move. We're stagnated. Jesus comes to break through that and to say, come here. Here's where you'll find freedom. And it's always come. It's always come. Always has been. Last week, Pastor Eric, who is an amazing teacher, we all know that, uh, talked about Jesus going back to Capernaum, the city where a lot of his ministry came out of. City of a wealthy, multicultural, Greek-speaking people who had wealth and politics and certain kind of dress, religious thought and practice. And he, a paralyzed man was brought to him. And what did Jesus say? I just go and be healed. No, he said, your sins are forgiven. Well, what's that about? Well, the Jewish leaders attacked that quickly. How could he do that? He's not God. But Jesus could see right away when the man was brought to him that he needed that he was paralyzed spiritually and physically. Not always do those go together, but sometimes they do. He challenged the teachers of the Old Testament way of doing things. He demonstrated again that he was breaking through. He was bringing a new way to break through uh, and offering forgiveness that he could bring through, that he could offer. That people didn't have to go back to the old way of doing worship and go to the synagogue and go to the priest. <clears throat> and Jesus said when he left here and went back to heaven, he tells his close followers, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And he also said in John fourteen twelve, I think, that you're going to do the things that I have done and even some greater things. That's what, it, that's what Jesus said. We sing a song about that. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done here. Here. Yeah. Hmm. Well, the verses between uh, where, we're, where we ended up last week in verse 16, or, or uh, yeah, verse 8, 
Uh, if we go to Matthew 9 to 16, Matthew 9 verses 9 to 16 are two little conversations that I think might be important for us to just talk about a little bit before we get to the actual miracle of the day. Because when we start in the miracle today, it, you have to back back up to get the meaning of it. And he steps into where there's barriers again because um, he, he's, walking through, he's walking through the city and there's tax collecting booths. What does that mean? Well, there were Jews who were hired by the Romans who were, in, who were in, in force and had the Jews under their occupation who collected taxes for the Roman government. There wasn't a criteria that was exact, so they could collect more sometimes. And they go, it was a great, it was a great money trail. And there was great security for Matthew. And Jesus walks by and looks at him and said two words. What did he say? Follow yourself. No, he said, follow me. No coercion, no pull or push. Just said, Matthew, follow me. Huh. I've got security, Jesus. I've got my 401k. I've got land. I've got all kinds of resources. Just follow me, Jesus said. He walked out of his tax collecting booth, the text says, and left it. I, thought, I think that Jesus saw in him some abilities to write down specifics. Actually, what we've been reading and studying in the last six weeks are his writings, by the way. Tax collector turned follower of Jesus, able to write. Well, he had to be able to, to do kind of concise things and do it well if he was kind of accounting with tax collecting. So... <clears throat> In our approaches to people in the culture around you, tomorrow and last, last week and t- next week, am I open like Matthew or am I more like the Pharisees? A, f- a question to think about because later in the story of Matthew, Jesus, Matthew invites Jesus to his house and Matthew brings some of his own friends. Who do you think his friends were? Tax-collecting friends. And for the Jewish community who hated that, they called it riffraff. And so they come down on Jesus and said, how in the world could you associate with these people, this riffraff? How could you do that? Wow. Is our approach to our neighbors and coworkers and teammates, again, more open like Matthew or more closed like the Pharisees? I'm just going to work in my own little thing and I certainly have a nice high fence around my house. I drive in, put the garage door down. Um, there, over there, and we're here. The second little conversation is about John's disciples. John the Baptist, who preluded Jesus, made the way, paved the way for him. John is, disciples are fasting. And what does that mean? They're going without food for the purpose of worshiping God. But it became just a repetition and it, was about, it became for some about appearance uh, than it did the condition of the heart. And Jesus arrives on the scene and ushers in a new way that we can go directly to God through Jesus. The new covenant uh, called for a new way of expressing it. This new, newness of the gospel could not be combined with the legalism of the Old Testament way. No more than you could sew a new patch on a hole in an old garment and it looked well. That was kind of the analogy that was used. And John writes in chapter 1, verse 17, the Old Testament law came through Moses. We know that. It's part of this Bible story. It's part of our story. 
But then he says, but God's unfailing love, love and, unfailing love and faithfulness come through Jesus Christ. We have a lot of Old Testament s- stories about God. But Jesus came to usher in a new covenant, a new way of life. And he is doing this in this whole series that we're in, have been in and are in, uh, in helping people to see that, yes, we have, been do- we have done things a certain way, but it's not the best way. That takes us to today. If you want to turn, and if you have a Bible, you can turn to page 887. We're going to jump in Matthew 9, 18 to 26. So now listen to the first line. That's why we went back and looked at Matthew and the fasting thing, because it says, while he was saying this, which means they were talking about that, and maybe they were sitting around in the evening talking about what had happened during the day, a ruler came in, and in Mark and Luke's gospel, that ruler's name's Jairus. And he knelt before Jesus and said, My daughter's just died, but if you come and put your hand on her, she'll live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. <clears throat> An interruption for the evening, perhaps. This would be interruption 1.0. Verse 20. But just then a woman who had been subject to a bleeding for 12 years come from behind Jesus uh, to touch the edge of his cloak. And he's, she said to herself, If only I could touch his cloak, I'll be healed. Jesus turned to her and said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. The woman was healed from that moment on. Back to the story. When Jesus entered Jairus' house and saw the flute players in the noisy crowd, he said, just go away. This girl's not dead. She's just asleep. They laughed at him. But after the crowd was outside, he went in, took the girl by the hand, and she got up. The news spread everywhere. All the news media truck chariots were outside. A father's request in verse 18. My daughter is dead. Would you come and touch her? We don't know that Jerry, what we know about Jerry is he's a leader of the synagogue or the worship center. Now, wherever there was 10 families of Jews, they would create a worship center called the synagogue of the day. And they would choose someone to be the leader of that. So his, his responsibilities, Jerry's responsibilities, was supervising worship, lo- looking after the building, uh, taking care of the weekday teaching for the school for kids, uh, and settling conflict. They even had conflict back in those days. And finding a rabbi to teach on the Sabbath. Jairus was an important person in the day. um, And had taxed all of his abilities and all of his ways to take care of his daughter's illness. But death had crept into his house anyway. And his own family, this loving father, after exhausting everything... He had, we just have to think about Jairus probably standing on the edge of the crowd quite a bit and listening to Jesus. But his position in the community, in the Jewish community, put him at a little bit of a dissonance because if I jump in here too much with Jesus, I could lose my position. So that was going on. But when his daughter passed away, there was nothing going to stop him at this point. Desperation, my friends, has a way of bringing us to our knees. Does that make sense? Our desperations, when we don't have answers and things are uncertain and this test is, uh, I'm anxious about this 
and life is hard, and I'm not sure what's around the corner. Desperation for this man brought him to his knees. He had, we don't know that he had exceptional faith in Jesus, but he sure offered a worship posture. There was a different kind of posture saying, Jesus, would you come and heal my daughter? Than doing this and say, Jesus, would you come and heal my daughter? That takes on a little bit different look, feel, doesn't it? Yeah. That's exactly what he did. If you'll just come and put your hand on him. You know, Jesus did, he touched the leper. He touched Jesus' mother-in-law. He has this thing with touch. There's amazing power in meaningful touch. Did you know that? To this point, Jesus had performed all of his miracles on people who were still living. Jairus' faith in God is evident in the, in the statement that if you just touch her, she will return to life. So Jesus got up, took his disciples, and off they went. This wasn't a scheduled appointment, you all. This was an interruption. There's a lesson in it for me, and maybe for you. Jairus had an, gave me an example of great faith. How often have I tried to manage everything my way with my own rational thoughts? And how often have I bowed my knee and just cried out to God and say, God, would you step in here? I can't do this alone. And the second thing is Jesus' deep love for people. He had probably had a big day, and they were kind of talking about it as they had just talked about, they were talking about the, the conversation with, with Matthew, and now he's being integrated into Jesus' disciples. They're talking about fasting, and Jairus walks in and interrupts it. Yeah. So they're on the way. And I would hold up to us that great occasions for serving are many times un, unscheduled. Greatest, great, great opportunities for stepping in and walking with people or just listening, being a good listener or serving, many times are unscheduled. Interruption 2.0 happened as they began toward uh, Jairus' house. A woman who had had a bleeding condition did not want, because she was outside the community, because she had this physical bleeding, and some would say it was like a bleeding kind of uterine condition. I don't know for sure, but that's what others would say. And that she was put outside the community just like the leper was. And she knew if she touched Jesus, he would be declared unclean. But if I could just get down and touch the hem of his garment, and no one know it, maybe I could experience healing. She had faith that that could happen. Well, Jesus was used to being interrupted. It was okay. Whether he was speaking to a crowd in Mark, whether he was conversing with his disciples in Matthew and Luke, whether he was traveling, uh, the Matthew writes about, whether he was sleeping in the bottom of the boat, one of the miracles that we just talked about, whether he was praying, he made time <clears throat> for those who needed him. These intrusions were viewed as opportunities. We might, what might be an interruption for, for you and I, Jesus will use as a springboard to relate uh, and to step into, to teach and to engage and to demonstrate the loving presence of God. As we're about our day in the week ahead, 
and when you reflect over this past week's routines for you, I will hold up this statement to you with the people that we engage around us on a regular basis. Tightly packed are the hurts of people right around us. Tightly packed are the hurts of people right around us. Maybe it's a prayer that we might pray tomorrow and Wednesday and Friday as we go out of the house to engage people, to recognize tightly packed are the people that I might engage right around me with the hurts that they're carrying. Just an awareness of that. No, don't go say to Pastor Eric, looks like you're hurting. No, don't do that. He'll get up and run. Um, But just being aware that we all carry stuff and there's opportunities for that. If only I could touch his garment, the text tells us, and she reached up and did that. She didn't she didn't even, she didn't come publicly. Very bit of a contrast between Jairus coming publicly to where Jesus stayed than a person coming and finding their way through the crowd un, unknown. She, she was, she didn't want to, she didn't want to make any, she didn't want to make any kind of noise. She didn't want to make any public uh, uh, spectacle at all. But Jesus turned to her when he touched, when he felt her touch on his garment. And he said, daughter, Take courage, daughter. Take courage, your faith has made you well. Again, he's raising the level of who women were in the day. Daughter, but no name. But he gives her, take courage, your faith has made you well. Once again, this woman was made well. He affirmed her courage. He affirmed her faith. Jesus continues to seek to draw uh, each of us to confess who Jesus is publicly um, and to do that with people around us and not expect them to maybe take the step of faith right away, but to offer just our presence with people. Presence ministry is important sometimes as us saying, well, I need to read you a chapter out of the Bible here. Right now in our culture, people are not very open to that. But people are starving, my friends, for relationships. Have you made an effort to press through the crowd of your unbelief, your unbelief or your busyness or your activities or your entertainment? Can you and I name what and who is in the crowd that stands between us and Jesus? What is it that stands between us and Jesus that kind of gets in the way? That's kind of cloudy and unclear. What are are those things? What are those things? It's interesting that Jairus and this woman are two very opposite people, but they both met at the same place, at the feet of Jesus. One had a name very public. One had no name, very anonymous. Equal. Treated equally. And it's at the feet of Jesus, and we would say it's at the foot of the cross, where all things are equal. All things. Because Jesus brings that equality. Wow. So, now do you suppose that Jairus is getting a little anxious? Because we're on the way to 
my daughter's place and now we're interrupted here? No, I think that this was a faith-building thing for Jairus to see Jesus be interrupted and stop. The faith was preparing him for what was going to come when they stepped into his house. When Jesus came to the house, they said there's a lot of noise. In that day and time when a person died, there were mourners that would be hired and brought in. Certainly the family was mourning, but some of the culture was, if you had resources, the more mourning and the louder and the bigger the crowd of mourning, that, would, that was kind of a, a prestigious kind of thing. But Jesus kind of, that's why he kind of saw through that, and he asked them to leave. And he said, uh, leave. The girl not, did not die, she's just asleep. Well, they weren't really connected to Christ and to Jesus either, or maybe to a faith thing, because what they do? They laughed. They laughed. I would, I would hold up to us that whenever Jesus wants us to work into a given situation of our own mess, of our own pain, of our own fears, of our own stuff, we will have doubts as many as you can count. Because Satan doesn't want, he wants to hold us in the place that we are rather than us experience the place that God wants us to be. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it may come through other people. Ah, I wouldn't go to that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go for prayer. Just go figure it out on your own. We can, there are plenty of doubters in the world. Jesus is introducing a new language for death here because he, he knows that we're all going to wake up one day. Our physical body, well, it says, when the trumpet sounds, we will all, the dead will be raised. Death is this temporary situation where our physical body ends, but our spiritual go, body goes on. I think Jesus is helping people understand that because he, we know that that's coming for him. He did it again in a kind of a different kind of way with his friend Lazarus. So Jesus is pointing us to a new reality where there's, in the, in the, new, in the new creation, where all things are going to be new, just like they were in the first creation, there's not going to be any mourning or crying or disease or fear. Not at all. Not at all. Hmm. So when we leave this series, as we leave it, the question in our bulletin that I put in is like, so what now? What, what, what do we do with this? What do we do with what we've learned about Jesus kind of permission giving authority to break through the barriers that keep us from being all that we are to, uh, th- that Jesus would want us to be? So what now? Let's read and find out. The end of chapter 9, verse 35 and following. Jesus traveled from all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news of the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease, healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. <clears throat> he said to his disciples, The harvest is great, the workers are few, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. And then chapter 10, verse 1 and verse 7. 
He called his disciples together and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits, to heal every disease and sickness. As you go, preach the message, verse 7, the kingdom of heaven is near. We stand on the shoulders of these 12 first disciples when Jesus left. He gave them the authority to go. And in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came down on all the people that were there, the church exploded because people heard it in their own language. We're still feeling that ripple today. And our call is to continue to help the ripple go on of Jesus' presence of love and grace and forgiveness and to cut through the things in our culture that keep people from finding their way toward Jesus. Can we be a people of God who continue to do that uh, to the best of our abilities? Jesus just asked, asked two words of us, just as he did of Matthew. Follow me. Follow me. He doesn't twist any arms. It's your choice and mine. He's calling us to experience the good news of Jesus, his love and forgiveness, and to experience healing spiritually and physically, and to live, be a lifelong disciple learner that uh, walks, that is a disciple that walks with other people toward Jesus, so they become a disciple or a follower of Jesus who will make disciples. That's Jesus' goal for all you. All Christ's followers. Wow. And we said in a song we just sang before the sermon, above me and below me, before me and behind me, Jesus is all around me. In every eye that sees me, it says. So everybody that looks at me, Jesus will be around me. That's our promise. What would it look like if every one of us, every single one of us, would become just one increment, just one click more aware that there are hurting people all around us with the, in, in the connections that we all have. You have connections to people to walk with them toward Jesus that I will never be able to. Nor will Pastor Eric. No, because you have the relational chips. What an opportunity. He talks about that the the harvest is many, but the labors are few. We have the harvest happening here in Kansas in the next couple weeks. We'll be harvesting the wheat fields, certainly. And Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more workers. We're the workers. Yeah. You're a worker. You're a worker. We're called as God's missionary people. Yeah. We can't wait for some bright light in the sky. Yeah, it's every single one of us. It's Colby. It's Kathy. It's Gary. It's any of us. Your name, whatever. You, if you are following Jesus, we're called to be workers. And not laborious workers, not at all. But out of the joy and the fullness of joy that we experience through Jesus. God, thank you for this series. And we look forward, God, as we step into a new one next week as we think about, so what does it look like to be neighbors? So we pray for your Holy Spirit to lead as we go forward. God, as we leave here today, though, may we be mindful Maybe be aware of this week just a little bit more that there might just be interruptions.
that are appointments by you. And may we step into those without knowing where it might go and what might be the end result. God, we want to be a people who are known to stepping in with people in the hard places. Because we know, many of us know, that if people hadn't stepped into the hard messes of our lives, we wouldn't be here. So we thank you, and we ask that you lead and guide. In Jesus' name, amen.